Amen. Good morning, church. Amen. He is risen. Amen. Let's try that again because some of us don't know that's what you say, right? And so I'm going to say, He is risen, and I invite you to respond back. He is risen indeed. indeed. He is risen. And that is the event that changed everything. Good morning. My name is Matt, and I have the honor to be the lead pastor at New City Church. Good morning. Good morning. Good gravy, a good morning. Mr. Black, thank you for sharing your story. This morning, uh, my hope and intent is to invite you closer to Jesus. That's my, that's my hope this morning, is to simply invite you closer uh, into this relationship with Jesus. And um, I would ask that you would even say to your, say to your own self that you have a step, that there is, a, there is a space between you and Jesus that you can take a step closer to him this morning. May your spiritual posture be that of, man, how do I take a step closer to Jesus based on the resurrection? And so I want to start with a scripture that we're going to end with today because I want you to be thinking about it. You guys notice behind me that our baptism uh, doors are open. And I believe that there are people in this room, whether you're 61 as Mr. Black is, Andy, he wants me to call him Andy, as Andy is, or you're 16, that God is inviting you to repent and be baptized. And we're ready for you to do that this morning. But it has to be and needs to be communicated to you by God, not by some handsome guy with a beard and a mic. Me. All right. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 40. When they heard this, they being a big crowd of people, they were pierced to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive, what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. And that is a central message for me always, is that God wants to save you, save me, save us from this corrupt generation. God's ways are better. Always, he always wins. If on the cross, the words were, it is finished, on resurrection, resurrection morning, it was, the victory is mine. Amen. Right? And so, man, if, and so I'm, I got a question for you. Okay, here's the question that I have. It's on the screens. And th- I'm being very, like, personal in this question. And I don't, I'm not looking for you to give me a churchy answer. I'm not even looking for an answer. I want you to sit in this question as I preach and give you God's word this morning. And the question is this. How has the resurrection changed your life? Specifically, what is different in you because Jesus resurrected from the grave? How has the resurrection changed your life. I want to take us on a quick little journey this morning, right? And I hope that the words that God has gifted me this morning will help pierce your hearts as we all take that step closer, closest to Jesus. And I want to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives a timeline of how this resurrection stuff happened. And this is what he records in verse 3. Paul says, I passed on to you, talking to the church in Corinth, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. So what did Paul pass on first? What was most important and what had been given directly to him, right? And so these are the things. First, he says, Christ died for our sins. That's most important, just as the scripture said. And he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. 
He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as if though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul says, I saw him last. When he says him, he's talking about the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus with holes in his wrist, holes in his feet, holes in his side, once dead, now fully alive Jesus. Those, uh, that account is who are the witnesses. And I want to start this morning by giving what I believe, this is my opinion, the greatest witness of the resurrection of Jesus. So if there's anyone in the room that doubts that dead man was walked. I'm not talking about walking dead. I'm not talking about zombies. I'm talking about fully alive, fully restored Jesus. If there's any doubt in your mind, I believe, my opinion, that the fact that Paul writes, then he was seen by James as the best witness in all of scripture. And here's why. James was Jesus's brother. And James was not a follower of Jesus while Jesus was on planet earth. But James saw his brother hang on a tree and be crucified. And with his mother, James wept. James thought, man, my Cuckoo brother's done. Let's move on with our lives. But Jesus appeared to his brother James specifically post-resurrection. And if you can convince your brother that you are the son of God by the resurrection. Because my sisters and my friends back in Paragould, Arkansas, they can't even believe that I'm preaching at a church this morning. And James, the brother of Jesus, who did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, while he lived, but after he saw Jesus fully resurrected, face to face, James went on, get this, he went on to become uh, really high, high, I mean, the, the apostles, the 12 disciples listened to James. He took the leadership of the church in Jerusalem that Jesus gave him, and that's where he remained. He never left Jerusalem. That's where he remained teaching all of the folks about who Jesus was and the witness that he had until he was, until he died. You know how James died? James was thrown off the roof of the temple, but that didn't kill him. When he hits the ground, he gets up, and from his knees, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing to me. And then they begin to throw rocks at him until he dies there in their midst. You don't get thrown off of a building and let people throw rocks at you until you die for something that is not true, for something that doesn't radically change your life. And so I kind of go back to the question where I started. How has the resurrection changed you? Because it radically changed James. Enough to the point where he will let somebody throw him off of a building and hit him with rocks because I will not deny, I will not say that what I saw was a lie. It radically changed his life. Luke recalls in Luke chapter 24 when Jesus appeared to the 12 post-resurrection. He says it like this. Then Jesus said to the 12, uh, actually the 11, of, the 11 disciples, Judas had gone his own way. When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And what that means is Jesus said, I kept pointing you back to the Old Testament. I kept pointing you back to our scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And notice this next part. It was also written, right? Yes, I I was to die and I was to resurrect, but there's more to what was written. He said it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations. See what a powerful name it is. Say, it is the name of Jesus. It is the name attached to God's Son that that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And what is this message? Please catch this message. This message is powerful. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. There is forgiveness. That was the message. Jesus says, here is the message that you're going to go tell. There is forgiveness for sins for all who repent. Here's our problem. We live in an age, in a corrupt generation, where there is no sin. 
If two or more agree upon it, it must be okay. And what I'm asking this morning is I'm not here to poke and point out your sin. I believe with all my heart that God convicts of sin. And all I'm asking this morning is if through the message God pulls at your heart, God convicts your life of anything, you would cling to the Father God through the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of the sins of all who repent. I'm not going to put it on you, but if God says, hey, this is you, man, repent and for the forgiveness of your sins. He goes on, you are witnesses of all these things, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city, he told the disciples, stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven above. Now, the disciples had a bad expectation on the, Jesus being the Messiah. When they were walking with Jesus in his ministry, the disciples, they thought that with Jesus being the Messiah, that at some point Jesus was going to rally the people, and he was going to gather an army, and they were going to overthrow Rome, and Israel was going to be once again a free state where they could worship as they wanted. That's what they thought. And when they saw Jesus go to the cross, their dreams, their hopes, their expectations were crushed, just, just destroyed. But now they have hope again, right? Because the resurrected Jesus is standing before them. They are seeing something that no one else has ever seen. And they're talking to this resurrected Jesus. And notice what they ask him. Notice how they think, right? Because Jesus has just told them, man, you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to go do this. And you're going to teach a forgiveness of sins through my name. That's what he said, but that's not what they heard. How often do we mishear, misunderstand what God is trying to speak into your life because you have a preconceived notion of what Jesus or who Jesus is? Man, some of us in this room, if I'm just being honest with you, we're church to death. We're just, we're so religious that we can't worship. And the, the disciples had a bad expectation. Notice this in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. The story continues into Acts. And notice what Luke records in Acts 1. So when the apostles were with Jesus, this is the resurrected Jesus, they kept asking him. You guys, anybody in the room have a, have a child who keeps asking you things? Like this morning? Like Melissa's raising her hand in the back because her kids kept asking for donuts. You know, uh, uh, yeah, but they keep, you know, it's, the disciples kept asking Jesus, and notice what they kept asking him. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They see this resurrected Jesus, and they're like, hey, is now the time that you're going to rally the people, and we're going to form an army, and we're going to rule, and we're going to go, we're going to go throw, we're going to overthrow Rome, and we're going to, we're going to set up our kingdom? Like, that was their expectation. They have resurrected Jesus. Man, he's got all the power. We're about to do this, and it's going to be a big deal. This is what Jesus responds back. That was verse 6, verse 7. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. One day, just not today. But you will receive power. They're looking for power. He says, you will receive power when what? What? The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Whoa, 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 time out. We're not going to fight. We're going to proclaim. We're not going to fight. We're going to tell. Yeah, I'm not going to give you power to overthrow, and I'm not going to give you power to topple regimes. I'm going to give you power, but it's going to be through my Holy Spirit when he comes upon you, and it will be power so that you can be my witnesses, telling people about me where? Everywhere. That's the power. That's the power that, the, that Jesus gave the disciples through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the great news, man. They received that word, and they went to work. Then when the Holy Spirit came upon these men, they went to town telling people about 
who this Jesus is, that he was crucified and that he was resurrected and there was forgiveness in his name for all who repent. And that was their message. Acts 10, 39 through 43, we read this. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We are those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify. And this is the testimony. To testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through what? His name. Not through your works. Not through your, I'm going to try harder. It's in the name of Jesus. Man, what a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is that in his name, all of our sin has been wiped away, has been forgiven on the cross. Man, thank you, Lord, for that. A really famous guy in the New Testament next to Jesus would be Paul. And Paul was a guy who was not for the early church. He actually persecuted the early church. He actually uh, oversaw the deaths of Christians. But Jesus got a hold of Paul. Has Jesus got a hold of anybody in this room before? I mean, come on, let's make some noise a little bit. Has Jesus got a hold of anybody? I mean, I mean, think about this. Was there not a time in your life where you were headed one direction, but God met you on your own Damascus road and radically changed your life? Can somebody say amen on that? Amen. I mean, come on. There was a time in my life, guys, where I was headed down a certain path. And I wasn't a big drinker like Andy said, not at all. But, man, I was trying to fill these gaps and, and all of these things in my life with just different things. Just one passion after the next. One, Well, maybe this relationship would fill the gap. Or maybe this job would fill the gap. Or maybe this thing would fill the gap. And you're just kind of wandering like, like you're a blind person roaming in a dark room trying to find your way. But, man, then God changed my life. When I heard the gospel, it gave me, re, it gave me a new reality. It gave me a passion. And like Paul, many of us have had a come-to-Jesus moment where you were once going that way, and God said, no, no, knucklehead, now you're going to go this way. Notice Paul's story. It's really remarkable. One day, Paul says, I was on such a mission, talking about hurting the church, and I was on the road to Damascus. A light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, that was his name then, Saul, Saul, because sometimes God will change your name because you need a new identity. Saul was famous for a Pharisee. He was the top of the top. But God said, I'm, God said, I'm not even going to change your direction. I'm changing your name because you got a new identity, buddy. And it's no longer going to be in these things. It's going to be in Christ and Christ alone. Now, don't go home and change your name on your driver's license because Pastor Matt told you to. That's God's business, right? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless. Notice this line. Can we read this together? It is useless. Oh, no, read together means we all talk, okay? So let's read that sentence. It is useless for you to fight against my will. Come on, put them up. Please, put them up with me. Why? Put them up. Old people, put them up. I know you've been fighting for a long time. Why are you spiritually millennial? Put them up. You're corrupted by this generation. We are told all the time what to believe, what to think, who to be. Why are you like this of a fighting posture against the creator of the universe? I'm telling you, you can fight him. It is useless, though, for you to fight against my will. He has called you. That's why you're here today. It's not by some chance that you came to New City. God wants you here. I am putting you in a spiritual headlock until you give in to the things of Christ. Don't mess with me. Who are you, Lord? Paul asked. 
And the Lord replied, get this, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Right? I got another witness now. I'm going to call Paul. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Now here's the fun thing. This is the part that I highlighted in my notes. Jesus said to Paul, post-resurrection Jesus, on the Damascus Road, Jesus says to Paul, Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? Us. Anyone in the room who is not Jewish, you are a Gentile. And way back, post-resurrection, Paul was one of the first commissioned to us to be our witnesses. And this is why Paul went to the, the, the whole world that he could get to. And this was his message. Jesus told Paul, I'm sending you to us, to the Gentiles, to open our eyes so that we may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. Then we will receive forgiveness for our sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart in faith by me. This is not language that we use in the year 2019. Right? Let me read this. When's the last time you've said to somebody over the water cooler, man, I got to move from the light and, and from, uh, I got to move from darkness into the light and from the power of Satan to the power of God? You ain't said that in your lifetime, right? But that was Paul's message. Notice this that like Jesus sent Paul so that you and I would turn, repent from the darkness into the light. Like if you're, if you're in the room and you currently have a secret, that you're keeping from your spouse, from your friend, from your employee, if you're keeping something in the dark, Jesus sent Paul with this message, and here we are in the year 2019, so that you would not have secrets in the darkness, secret sins in the darkness, but that you would bring them into the light. And it's not to keep things hidden. It's to bring them into the light. How so? Catch this. Don't, don't, Don't miss this. And turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. Like some of us were staying in the dark. And this is not words we use, like, oh, Matt, you're getting too weird. This is what Jesus told Paul about us. That we would turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then we will receive forgiveness for our sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Man, if God's calling you to repent, if God's calling you to confess, if God's calling you to take this out of the darkness and bring it into the light, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Acts 26, 19 through through 20, how did Paul respond? I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I declared to those in Damascus first and then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds consistent with repentance. Repent, step out of the darkness and turn to God, walk in the light. And notice this last part, performing deeds consistent with repentance. Live the life that Jesus has invited you into. Why do you keep stumbling back into the darkness? Why do you keep returning to shame? Why do you keep returning to guilt? There is freedom. There is life when we follow Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. If Jesus really did resurrect from the grave, it should really matter to you. Think about this. If Jesus really did die, if Jesus really did come back to life, who else do you know who has done that? He has earned the right to speak into our lives. I know of no one else. Now, I'm just going to share my heart. Is that okay for a little bit? Here we go. I'm going to read because I've been praying over these things all week, and this is how the gospel has changed my life. So just, you can, now is a good time to go on Facebook maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Or it's a great time to lean in and say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? But here I go. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God loves you so much that God sent his only son. 
Jesus was the perfect reflection of God the Father. We read that in God's word that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And his name is Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was betrayed by a close friend. He was arrested, stood trial, beaten, then crucified. Jesus, God's only son, died on the cross. But on the third day... No, see, you didn't hear that. But on the third day, something changed, right? The heart began to pump. The blood began to flow. The lungs took in air. The lungs exhaled air. The little brain began to fire again. On the third day, by the mighty power of God, a completely dead Jesus came back fully alive. That is the gospel story. This is the witness of the apostles. I believe this witness to be true. I believe it in faith. I wasn't there. Were you there? And so we stand on the testimony of those who have gone before us. This belief has forever changed my life. That's the power of the cross and the victory of the resurrection. The resurrection for me, just Matt Miller, it defined me a new reality, church. When when God revealed to me his gospel, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, he gave me a new reality. You're not going to go this way, Matt. You're going to go that way. I'm going to change your life. And I want to publicly confess that I'm with him, him being Jesus. The only one I know that has lived a perfect life, the only one I know who died a complete death, the only one I know that was and is fully alive, this perfect, once dead but now fully alive Jesus has earned every right, deserves every right, and demands every right to speak into my life and, by the way, into yours. Why do you fight against his will? And if you, like me, believe this, it should radically change how we worship. Here's the deal. The resurrection of what Jesus has done and the effect it's had on your life should radically change the way that we worship. And I'm not just talking about singing, although singing is a part of it. It's about how we worship outside these walls. Why in the world does God's church walk around like a defeated people? Why does God's church, with the power of the resurrected Jesus, allow our culture to keep us quiet about the things of God? Like, who else has died for us? It inspires me. That it should radically change how I worship. It should change how we worship. And it should radically change how we live our lives. We have been invited into, we have been called out of and into a following Jesus. Why in the world do we return to our previous lifestyles and live as the world lives? Why? How is the power of the resurrection in our lives when we go back to what we used to be? No one has to walk around weighed down by sin. Oh, this is big. You don't have to walk around weighed down by shame. If you're here and you're way down and you're walking by regret, Jesus took all of that on the cross. And who are you to try to take back something from Jesus that is completely his? Listen, if you're here and you walked in here with guilt, shame, regret in your life, the cross took care of it. Why are you holding on to something that honestly you don't even have anymore? Why are you conjuring up all of this past stuff? Give it to Jesus. His cross is sufficient. Church, because of Jesus, we are free. Because of Jesus, we can live. Because of Jesus, you can step out of the darkness and into his light. We are free. Why in the world are you walking around spiritually handcuffed and spiritually defeated when Jesus was crucified and resurrected? You have freedom in Christ. You don't have to. You don't have to be in chains. You've been set free. Because of Jesus, everything in my life changes. Oh my gosh, he is the one. I don't need to look for another. I don't need to look for another. He is the one. Jesus has gifted me, and he's gifted us, his Holy Spirit. Jesus is the mighty man who can overcome in your life whatever is holding you captive. He is the mighty man. 
There's nothing in your life, no addiction, no, uh, no, no uh, what, temptation that is bigger, stronger, more muscular than Jesus, our resurrected Jesus. He is the mighty man. Jesus sets my feet on a solid rock. Jesus makes my path straight. Jesus is my victory. Jesus, Jesus sets my identity. Jesus carries my burdens. Jesus picks me up. Jesus gives me strength. Jesus says, don't go that way. Go this way. Jesus is the chain breaker, the dream giver. He is the wind beneath my wings. Right? That's who he is. And may we all come to our senses. May we see Jesus for who he is. Jesus is life. And when you follow Jesus, guess what you follow? Life. You don't follow death. You want life? Say yes to Jesus. Are you tired of trying to live? Then let go of that stupid rope and grab the hand of Christ. Are you tired of being angry and bitter? Cast all your cares on Jesus for he cares for you. Why are you carrying it around? Are you tired of going from one thing to the next? Drink from the source that will never leave you wanting more. Are you empty? Get this. This is big for our, for our culture. Are you empty because you use your body for fleeting moments of pleasure? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not the whorehouse that you treat it like. It is where Jesus resides in you through his spirit. And man, when we follow him, we have the freedom that my body is the temple of God. And I'm going to treat it with respect because this is where Jesus remains. Christ in me. You want to set the world on fire with a testimony? Show the world how you live by how you treat your body. And I'm telling you, nobody lives like that anymore. Nobody lives. We swap left, we swap right. And Jesus says, no, I want you walking straight ahead. I don't know, that's just me. The gospel message hasn't changed. Here it is, it's on the screen. Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected. Everyone who believes will have their sins forgiven through his name. Guys, that's, it's that simple. That if you confess with your mouth that, that, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? That's it. Christ crucified, Jesus resurrected, everyone who believes will have their sins forgiven through his name. And here's how, here's how we're going to end. I'm tired of talking, and uh, maybe you're not tired of listening, but I want you to hear from the Lord. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to find a, uh, on your phone, go to your notes, or get your bulletin out, and we're going to put a scripture up on the screen. And I'm going to ask Pastor Curtis to come up, and he's just going to kind of quietly play over us. And I want you to read this scripture that we started with, and here's my simple question to you. What is Jesus asking of you this morning? Okay? The simple question, what is Jesus asking of you this morning? I'm asking you to participate. If you already have the posture, oh, God's not going to speak to me, guess what? He won't. But if you will get out your notes on your phone, if you will grab a pen and that, and that notebook, here is the scripture that I want us to read and then to reflect on briefly. When they heard this, let's put ourselves in the story. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Matt and the rest of the church, what should we do? Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. Curtis is going to play and sing. Reflect on those words. They're not going off the screen. What is Jesus saying to you? I'm going to come back in a moment, all right? Let's reflect. What did the Lord say to you? We, we read his word. We, we, we sit in it, we reflect on it, and then we ask, what is Jesus asking me to do based on his word? It is not a good book. Church, it is 
active and it's alive and it calls us into a certain type of life, a life in Jesus. This morning, if God said to you, you need to repent and be baptized, then I want you to do that. We, we've got that ready for you. I know you're not prepared, but we're prepared. We've got water in the tank. It might be warm. I don't know. <laughs> we have towels. We have people that are willing and ready to talk and pray over you and through you and for you. Um, but nobody wants to go first. I had this pray, crazy go. I, I, I prayed, uh, Lord, would you let us have 20 baptisms on Resurrection Sunday? And I put out a message on Facebook, and guess how many responses we got? That's all right, though, because it happens, because nobody wants to be first. And so we're going to do a song called Raise a Hallelujah. And can I tell you, here's the fun thing. Even if no one, who's calling me? My mom's calling me. She don't know what I'm doing right now. (laughs) And she's in Kansas City. And she's in Kansas City. Good gravy. That's a great signal because my phone's in my office. That works well. Anyway, so um, where was I? I'm in church. Right. Thank you, Mother. Um. We're going to do a song called Raise the Hallelujah. And during this song, I'm asking you to do what Jesus told you to do. We have guys, look over this back window here to my left or right. There are people ready to talk to you and get you into the baptism tank if you want to do that. And we're just going to celebrate. If God told you to repent, man, use this altar. This is a holy place this morning. Come up and tell Jesus, I agree with you, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to stand right here. Maybe for the first time in your life, you are going to publicly confess that Jesus is my Lord, and I believe that God raised him from the dead. And I want to celebrate that with you. What a beautiful day to do that. Amen? Amen. And so I'm just asking you, whatever God told you to do, just be obedient to that. Would you guys stand with me this morning? Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life, and we desire with all of our hearts to follow you as we worship together. Amen. Church, respond as God has asked.